0: the Lord. Do that for the Lord. Let's do it for Him. He deserves it. I am nothing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you, Sister Marie. She remembers things I don't. (laughs) And I, I greet all my ministering brethren from the Connecticut District, great to see you here with Hanson, Brother McDonald. I owe a great deal to this district, especially through uh, the readout. I, uh, he's an intergenerational pastor. He helped clarify a lot of the concepts that I have. Taught my son-in-law and my daughter and my grandchildren. I had a wonderful chance to visit some with brother Tryon appreciate this church I had heard of New Britain many times in coming here but I've never had been to the church but what a wonderful place to be to worship our God amen amen and we've already started already started our prayer conference uh, you know what folks we live in such a broken you can be seated I'm sorry to keep you standing we live in such a broken world. It's full of hurting people, people that have been rejected, pushed aside, stepped on, don't know where to go, don't know where to turn, contemplating things, doing things to themselves that they probably never should. So many suicides, just a hurting world. We talk about soul injury, and it's all around us. If I had time and we could take a a poll of the audience here tonight, I would find that many of you are suffering with things that are deep inside of your psyche that you've never brought to the fore to deal with. And there's really no way that a psychologist or counselor or psychiatrist or whatever can deal with that. And so you're in the right place tonight. You're in the right place. Amen. Amen. Coming here yesterday, my phone kept ringing on the, on the plane. I had five calls from people. One fellow wanted me to pray. His eyes, he's only got one eye. and He needed a restoration of vision. Another pastor called and said, my wife is contemplating divorce. Can you pray? Another lady sent me an email, and she said, my body's beginning to just shut down. I don't know what's happening. I don't have any feeling in my hands and my limbs. Now, these are apostolic people. These are Pentecostal people. These are people in the church. These are people that know the name of our God. And if that's happening to them, can you imagine how desperate the world is out there when these kind of things happen to them? I I happen to think about what Jesus said to the lady at the well in John chapter 4. If you knew... If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give water. Ah, if you just knew. That's what the world needs tonight, folks. They need to know who Jesus is. And there's one way. There's one way that we can take this need to the Lord in such a way. Soul injury affects all of us. We need to pray. People need to learn to pray for themselves. And I'll have to admit, I I really don't know why I'm here in a prayer conference. (laughs) I've never really done a prayer conference. I don't know what people do in prayer conferences. I know what they do in prayer closets, because I've got one. And I've got some things in the closet that I I wish weren't there. (laughs) And sometimes i rattle things around a little bit to get them out. But we need to teach people to pray in faith. It's not enough just to say words. Now, I'm going to ramble a little bit tonight, and we'll eventually get to. You know, there are certain things you enjoy while you're here. You know, you come to church, you pray, you sing, you enjoy this singing group, and you enjoy the worship and uh, that sort of thing. Until you get tired of it, you enjoy it, right? You, you, you enjoy it. And there are other things you need to take home with you kind of to ruminate about and think about and let it be distilled into your spirit to some extent. So we have, we have the enjoyment type thing, but then also there's takeaways that are so very valuable. And many people need to face offenses that have come to them. And I don't know a better place to deal with this kind of thing maybe than a prayer conference. Yeah. People need to learn to Forgive. They need to learn to accept themselves. They need to learn to move on in hope. Yeah, if you look at what Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 7, where he's talking about what the Lord went through for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement was ours, but he put it on him. Oh, I'm telling you, folks, we we have a marvelous name. There it is. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. There is hope. Well, you think there might not be hope. There is hope. Amen. Aren't you glad you know the name of Jesus Christ, know the name of our Lord and Savior? When she told me the title of this or the theme of your conference, I went and did a little survey on the Bible. I came came up with I am. I just put I am in there. I I found 698 verses dealing with I am. So I said, well, the easiest thing for me to do is just read 698 verses to you and and you got it. (laughs) Then I backed out of that. Then I said, well, maybe I can lengthen that. I am the Lord. So I added two more words, I am the Lord, and I came up with 162 verses. I said, that's a little more reasonable. If I get started before 9 o'clock, we'll be, we'll be good. <laughs> Not so. But you know what? I got to looking at that, I am the Lord, and the Lord repeated that over and over and over again in Exodus and right on into Leviticus. And the reason he did that, he wanted Israel to know that I am in authority. I am your authority. I am the one you go to when you have need. I'm the one you need to talk to. And he would say, Moses, you tell them to do this. I am the Lord your God. You tell them to do that. I am the Lord your God. So his why was always, I am the Lord your God. Now, folks, when we come to a prayer conference and we lift up holy hands without wrath and doubt, and we begin to seek after God, we need to do that with the authority that our God hears, our God knows, our God understands what we need more than anything else around us. And then I looked up that I am he. And there's 21 verses to that. Well, that's getting more reasonable, isn't it? Yeah, if I'm going to read them to you, <laughs> which I'm not. The shortest, I guess the shortest statement is I am. And someone said the longest statement is I would do. But that's a different context, a little different meaning. But, but aren't you thankful for the knowledge of God that you have? Aren't you thankful you can be in a church that will host a prayer conference? That you have pastors that will give up their Friday evening to come together with their people to praise the Lord. And aren't you glad that when the Lord hears, he answers, or is willing to answer, maybe he doesn't always answer. And in my experience in prayer, if I go on my experience alone, and not what other people have experienced, and, and we use other people's stories and, and to help thicken our stories a little bit. But uh, if I just use my stories, we, we would be an iffy situation. Because I don't always, I'm not always effective in God answering the prayer the way I want it to be answered. So it does me, it gives me a, a double check. I have to go back and say, Am I doing this the way He would do it? Am I, am I asking in the right manner? But I appreciate the opportunity here, uh, and being here, and the, uh, and you know, prayer is, and we can put prayer is a blank. What is praying? What is that? And most people will say, What's communication with God? But aren't you glad in this phenomenon of voicemail in the 21st century communications with God? Most of us have learned uh, you know you're calling and you say, "Well, thank you for calling heaven." For English, press 1. For Spanish, press 2. For all other languages, press 3. And then please select one of the following options. Press 1 for requests. Press 2 for Thanksgiving. Press three for complaints. Press four for all others. Or then you might get something out. Well, I'm sorry. All of our angels and saints are busy helping other sinners right now. However, your prayer is important to us, and we will answer it in the order in which it was received. Please stay on the line. (laughs) And then the one that I like, and I had to doctor this one up a little bit. If you would like to speak to God, press 1. If you want to speak to Jesus, press 1. If you want to speak to the Holy Spirit, press (laughs) 1. Hey, that's what it means to be apostolic. Give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, our purpose is to know him, and there's several scriptures already been mentioned tonight about that in Philippians three ten it talks about Paul said that I may know him that I may know him how in the presence or in the power rather of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death and she read the entire portion of the scripture there now here's the kind of world we live in folks we live in a world that's filled with people who are, claim to be atheists atheist atheists atheist, they are they deny that there is a god. And then we have others that are agnostic. They basically deny that we can know him. Well, Paul dealt with that in Acts 17, verse 22 and verse 23, when he was at Mars Hill. He said, this unknown God that you don't know about, let me explain to you something about him. You just never have heard of that. You You can't hear. You don't know what it's all about. Now, I realize that when it comes to hearing intellectually, maybe some things are veiled from us because of our human reason. Maybe our faith is is diminished somewhat, and we're not where we need to be in, in our faith, so we need to pray about faith. We need to pray about exalting our faith and find the right and correct understanding of what faith is and what faith actually does for us. Uh, but in looking at that particular thing, we we can hear certain octaves of sound. And certain ones we can't. You know, if you, I had a whistle one time. You could blow the whistle. They said it was a whistle. I never heard it. I, I could blow it, and the dog would jump. So they said, well, that's because the dog heard it. Well, you couldn't prove that by me, but the dog an- indicated that he heard it, and he would come. But I could blow that thing all day long, and all I got was wind. I didn't hear a thing. And they s- they said it's because that's it, the octaves are higher than your 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 hearing ability. But say so, hey. God hears our prayers. Sometimes it's just a whisper. Sometimes it's a, Lord, help me. Sometimes it's just Jesus. Other times it is maybe just the agony of the heart. Not sure what you might want to call that sort of thing, but God hears that thing. Uh, Here's what we say. So we have the atheist, we have the agnostic, we also have an apostolic. (laughs) And we're convinced that God is knowable. Do you believe God is knowable? Do you believe that you can know Him? You can know Him? Yes, you can know Him. You sure can. The I am is knowable. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says, I know in whom I have believed. I know Him. I know Him. I have a relationship with Him. I have an acquaintance with Him. And we want to dwell just a little bit on that. John as you remember in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, he said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He recognized him. And, well, he should because, after all, he had spent three and a half years with him. He should have known who Jesus Christ was. But it was a little different setting there. So I know, and we know him, and we must know how to reach him. And that's the important thing that I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. When Moses met the I Am, back over there in Exodus, and she read a portion of that scripture in Exodus 3 there, uh, the I am that I am. When he met him, when Moses met the I am, his life changed. His purpose changed. His direction changed. Everything about him changed at that particular point. And, and one of the first things you see in that relationship is, uh, I can't do it from Moses. God makes no mistake. He had chosen this. And so he said, who am I going to tell them the name of this God is that's sending me to them? He said, you just tell them that I am that I am. And you just tell the children, I am has sent me unto you. And God said, moreover unto Moses, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham. Abraham knew him. How did Abraham know him? Hebrews 11 said he knew him by faith. It was by faith he knew him. No prayer conference is going to go very far until we can look at our faith. Until we look at what God is doing. I, and the second scripture, he, uh, he said, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Uh, and then she used the scripture from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 9 through 11. He said, Let the nations be gathered together and find and say this ye are my witnesses. Connecticut District, New England. You are his witnesses. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him in the power of resurrection? Do you know him in the power of your own faith? Do you know him in the power of your prayer? Are you willing to step up and look at somebody else and say, hey, I know something you need to know? Yes. And the surrounding influences that we can have in doing this. I, I sincerely believe it's a fact. And there's several facts we can look at here. And I don't want to hold you too long, and it's already getting late. Uh, So I'm just going to ramble a little bit tonight. It's a fact. Uh, One fact is that no believer's spiritual life is going to rise and stay risen above the level of his praying. That's the most fundamental thing that we can do as children of God is pray. If you haven't prayed, don't worry about doing anything else. Pray about it. Pray about it. Seek God. Seek an answer. He said, well, God didn't answer, so I'm going to step out and go ahead and do something. Do you know him? Do you know him? If you know him, you might be very cautious about doing that. No believer's spiritual life will rise and stay, up, stay risen above the level of his praying. The second fact we can mention, no church's ultimate effectiveness will rise to stay above the level of its corporate or united in unity prayer. You want your church to progress? Preach unity. Bring it together in unity. Come together in prayer. This district will progress in prayer. Our families will progress in prayer. How many of us are dealing with family situations that we wish weren't there? We wish something could happen to bring us together again. I was pastoring a little church one time in Mississippi, and I had this guy. He was on the board. I, I didn't put him on the board. He was on the board when I went there. And, and I didn't have sense enough to kick him off. And he was a thorn in my side. And I, I, prayed like Paul. I prayed three times to get rid of that thorn. And he didn't go. He just, he just kept being aggravating. And and finally, I was praying before the Lord. I said, Lord, you've got to do something to m- endear me to him. He has no respect for me. He has no respect for you. He has no respect for his family. So I want you to do something that will endear me to him. And so I I just rested the prayer with the Lord and went on my way. (laughs) About two weeks later, his wife calls, and she said, can you go see him? And I said, sure, where is he? She said, he's in the sanitarium. Well, I had forgotten that I prayed that prayer. Well, I went there, and they had him in a little room with a little, little table and a cot. And he was in this white robe. That was it. And when I walked in that room, that man practically fell at my feet. He was so glad to see me. He said, oh, I'm so glad to see you. I'm I'm glad you came to see me, Brother Paul. And it was when I left there that the Lord spoke to me, "Did did you not pray that I would endear you to him? And I just had to stop before I got out of the parking lot and I said, Lord, you did it. You did it. You did it. And, you know, so I, was, I said that to say this. You don't always get the answer you're looking for now. Sometimes the Lord has to shuffle things around. I'm kind of like playing chess, I suppose. He has shuffle the pieces around until he can do that. Did not that happen to Daniel? Did not Daniel pray for the Lord to relieve him or give him the insight he needed? And the message left heaven, if we can put it that way. How long did it take to get there? I think it was 21 days, three weeks. And what did he do in the interim between day one and day 21? He, I suspect he kept right on praying. right on The same prayer, the same prayer, the same prayer. And so it is in our life. The third fact we can mention, no, no church corporate prayer life will be greater than the personal prayer lives of those that make up the church. You are vital to your church. You are important to this district. You are important to your family. You are, the, you are the key. You hold the key in God's way of doing that. Now, so far, I know I haven't told you anything you didn't already know. And I might not. I don't know. But if I can just encourage you, maybe just inspire you just a little bit to seek God further than you ever have. Are you, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but are you satisfied with your prayer life? And if you're not, what are you going to do to change it? How are you going to change it? What are you going to do to make a difference in that prayer life? Mm. Colossians 4 and 2, Paul says, continue in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Persevere in prayer. Being watchful, that word means keep awake. How many times did you go, <laughs> never mind. With thanksgiving. Gratitude, and this requires deliberation because when we start thanking the Lord for things, you have to look at those things that are in your life that's so meaningful and thank God for them. Thank God. Sometimes those things are negative. Sometimes they're the things that kept you from doing something else. So it's no time for casual praying. We need to do something more than we've ever done before, and I'm going to. Going to move over just a little bit further on to some of the things that might be useful. I want to talk a little bit about a strategy for prayer, and that leads us up to that pack. How, if I'm not content with my prayer life, what can I do to change that prayer life? What can I do to change my prayer life? And I, I'm going to move this as quickly along as I can because I realize it's Friday night and you've had a long week, and all those kinds of things. Pray to know God's will. There's there's three scriptures, three portions of scripture I find in the Bible that talks about a strategy for prayer. The first one's in Psalm chapter five, verses one through four, and I want to dwell on that one tonight. Uh, the second one is in Matthew chapter six, where the Lord said, "I'm going to give you a strategy for prayer, a model for prayer, if you will." And then Paul in 1 Timothy chapter two, verse one through ten. And Lord willing, I'll talk about that one tomorrow. But I want to talk about Psalm five, one through four. Uh, tonight just a little bit about this particular strategy that there, uh, because the Lord has given us something. And, and so when, when uh, sometimes when our prayers fail, we start looking for an, a reason for the unanswered prayer. The Lord, I ask you about this, and, you know, and nothing happened. Sometimes, well, whatever reason. Do we ask in faith? That's one of the things. Did you ask in faith? If you didn't ask in faith, it won't happen. Lazarus didn't have any faith. And he called him out. And he came. I think he had faith after that day, though. <laughs> Probably had all the faith he needed. Maybe he died in faith at any rate. Another sa- a question we might ask is, uh, do we ask according to his will? At this particular time, I tell my students at school, you don't often miss the will of God as much as you miss the timing of God. Because God's timing is so very important to the events in our life and what we do as well. So do we ask according to His will? And that's the first thing that I try to do in my prayers is, Lord, I want to align myself, as they were singing tonight, I want to align myself with what you do. What is right for the kingdom at this hour? What can I do to be an asset to the kingdom and not a liability? Another question we sometimes ask, do we ask amiss or ask selfishly? Uh, and we're praying within or outside God's eternal purpose. Uh, what is his divine cause? So in that particular psalm, and, and this is what I call David's strategy for prayer, it's... Uh, it's, it's not really a prayer, but it's a, a way to pray, how to go about praying. And there's some, some things that we can perhaps take home with us as we look at that. Well, and just read the text a little bit for you. Uh, to the chief musician upon Nehaloth, uh, the, prayer, the Psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken thou unto the voice of my cry, my King, my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice thou shalt hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight until thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house. In the multitude of thy mercy and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, Lord, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before thy face. Now, I want you to notice four things that David said he would, he would do. Uh, and this is the idea. He said, I will pray. That's the first step. Will you pray? Will you pray with a fullness of knowledge of what you know how to pray? And if you don't know enough about how to pray, learn more about praying. I tell the kids at school a lot of times, there are five things that's really important from the standpoint of our communication. Number one is, do you know to? Do you know to do this? Do you know to repent? Then you better repent. That's the first thing. Do you know to do that? Do you know to pray? Do you know how to pray or how to repent or how to be baptized or how anything? That's the second point. If you know to do it and you know how to do it, what's the third thing? Do you want to do it? Do you want to? That's the motivation. And if you don't want to do it, that's when I twist your arm, bring you to the altar, slam your face into the step. No, it doesn't work that way. It <laughs> doesn't work that way. I don't care how much you can preach. You can preach your most impassionate sermon you've got. And you can have the spirit of God moving All If somebody does not want to do something, they're going to walk out that door instead of up here. You can't do anything. Why? Because they have the choice themselves. But you've got to recognize that. It's up to God what is going to happen here because they've got to make up their mind. So, And the fourth thing is, do they will to? They might want to. Oh, Brother Paul, I really want to serve the Lord. I said, okay, well, quit sinning. Quit sinning. Well, what am I doing a sin? I said, Well, look at the way you dress. Look at the places you go. Look at the listen to your language. I mean, there are a lot of signs that you can easily see that let you know people standing with God. Are you gonna are you gonna clean that up? Whatever. If you expect God to answer your question, what did David say in that thing? He said, Lord, I know. I know you abhor the bloody and deceitful people. Hey, wait a minute. Prayer conference? We're supposed to be Let's get down to where the rubber meets the road, as they say. So first thing, he says, I will pray. I'll make serious business of my prayer. It's going to be priority with me. I'm going to pray. Pastor said, well, we're going to have a 5 o'clock prayer meeting in the morning. How many will come? Yeah. Yeah. At POA, where I attend church when I'm home. They, I don't know whether it's boasting, bragging, or what they say, but they say we've been having round-the-clock prayer since, I've forgotten when, 1960-something. Uh, and every now and then they have to go and recruit more people for those prayer shifts, those midnight prayer shifts, that, so, that sort of thing. In other words, it, it's kind of hard to make yourself do something like that. If that is the first step in our direction, though, to get to God, that becomes primary. It becomes the the preeminent thing that we need to do. So he said, "I'll make serious business of my praying." The second thing he says, "I will pray in the morning." Now I'm not. I, I am a morning prayer, but I, I'm not. I'm not compelling anybody else to say, "You got to wake up and pray," because I've I've dealt with students that can't get up till ten o'clock. And so. The morning is almost over before they ever, their feet ever hit the floor, so you can't say their morning prayers, but if they can pray. The third thing he says, I will direct or I will set my prayer in order. Now, here's what, where it gets a little sticky, because how am I supposed to order my prayer? What am I supposed to do with my prayer? That will help me in realizing that. So he said, I will pray. The fourth thing he said, and we're going to talk just briefly about these, and then we'll let you take them home and ruminate on them. That he will wait patiently for an answer of peace. That he will look after his prayers. So when he said this, my voice thou shalt hear unto thee, my king and my God. He said, I'm going to cry out. You know what the devil would love to do? He would love to mute our voices. That's what he wants to do. If he could silence the church, if he can silence the man in the family that's the leader or the woman that's the leader of the family, he's got it licked. And David said, I will cry out. It's not enough to meditate and say my prayer. Lord, I'm praying inside. I'm just buzzing away and praying. No, he said, I'm going to cry out to God. And, folks, we need to learn to cry out to God. Don't be afraid to raise your voice. I watch those people singing up here. Every one of them, they stuck that mouth, that this thing, right up in their face and opened their mouth, and they let her fly. Hey, if we'd be praying like that all the time, this, the whole walls would be, be shaking. The Lord, not that the Lord is deaf. He can hear very well. But the devil needs to hear. He needs to hear our prayer. And what David said, hearken to my voice, my cry, my king. Now, David was a king, right? David was a king. But he recognized there was a king over him. Yeah. And sometimes we might think, well, uh, you know, the Lord has made us kings and priests unto him. (laughs) I'm a king myself, but you've got a king over you. He said, Lord, I want you to hear my prayer. I want you to understand what I'm saying. I want you to be, be there. So part of my strategy is I will pray. I will pray in the morning. I will not be dumb. I will not be silent. I will not withhold my speech. And I might be a king or I might be somebody in the church, but I will cry unto thee. And you know what? I I feel sometimes I come to church and I feel like that, you know, that parable the Lord gave about the publican and the Pharisee. I feel like the publican. I just kind of fall in the altar and start squalling, start crying. Oh, God, have mercy. Have mercy on me. Somewhere I've missed it. Somewhere I've I've lost touch with you. I'm not I don't feel like the champion that I ought to feel like. You need to help me. And, and, and that's the, the kind of prayer that I begin to pray from that particular point. But when David said, I will pray in the morning, uh, he found a good beginning point, beginning of the day. The morning is, of course, a, a fitting time for our communion, for our intercession. Uh, and there are several reasons for that. Uh, people have offered, at least that I've read about, that they say, well, prayer in the morning is the, it's the opening key of the day. It's the last thing you need to use to lock it up at night. And at other times they'll say, Well, God expectantly waits our call in the morning. Now, if you look at the twenty four hour cycle that goes around the world, it's it's you know, it's five o'clock somewhere every every hour. And God's awake. He never sleeps, he never slumbers or sleeps. But he expectantly waits our call. So it's up to us to make the kind of commitment. That will get us into the presence of Almighty God at that particular hour. So, what is your strategy for getting to God in prayer? Have you made a commitment? I will pray. I will pray. He will hear my voice. Aggravates me no end to go, I shouldn't say that. It disturbs me no end. When I go to the altar to pray with people, come to the altar and they're just standing there mute. I said, come on, open your mouth. Oh, they open their eyes. No, open your mouth. The, the devil has muted them. And I said, the Lord has given you a voice. If you really have any intensity about your desire for God, you need to cry out. You need, you need to be letting your voice be heard here. Let that be part of your strategy for prayer. David said, In the morning I will pray. Now, that particular thought uh, has two branches. It, it bifurcates here a little bit. One of those thoughts is the Greek word karios. And karios really means an event or a situation. Uh, the other word for time that's most commonly used there is chronos, of course. And chronos is kind of the increments or the passing of time, that sort of thing. So when he says in the morning, it's karios. But if he says 8 o'clock, that's Chronos. See the difference? So in the morning, he said, I will pray in the morning. Whatever morning is for me, uh, I will pray. And there's at least seven times he talks about pray. Four times in day, Chronos in the morning, day and night, morning, noon and night, at night. Three times uh, without ceasing, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, praying always in the spirit. Uh, in times of need. So these are times for us that doesn't necessarily say, well, at 6 o'clock, I'm going to church and pray. I need to get on my face when I have a need. Yes. Right. My strategy ought to say, Lord, just the slightest impulse a recognition of something. And I've gotten in a habit now when people call me and they would say, Brother Paul, would you pray for me? And I said, let's pray. I mean, it's on the phone, but we're praying. Yes. And, you know, and. Think think about cell phones. You don't have to worry about burning up the lines. Uh, maybe maybe your prayer get hot enough it make a difference in somebody. If you could you could just work work through them in that particular manner. But somehow you have to reach those people. A- and the dawning of the day was a time back back in the old days when they didn't have uh, you know uh, sextants or uh, compasses and that sort of thing. They would wait for the dawn that particular time, because that was the so-called nautical hour. If you were on a, on a ship on the sea, uh, when you could see where the sun was coming up, and you could see the stars, you, you could get not only the direction you were going, but you could get your position there. And, and sometimes in our walk with God, our strategy ought to be, hey, I need to be there where I can get my direction right. Before, you, before I worry about unloading my list, and i got a list right here, Lord, I want to talk to you about. But before I do that, I've got to get a few other things straight with you. I, I want to know that you're listening. Have you heard my voice? Have I cried out in the morning? Have, have you, are you aware of what I'm doing and how it's going about and what's going to happen here? So the Spirit is free. Uh, there's little reason maybe to be condemned and what we're doing and all these sorts of things. So I don't think it's necessary to pray every morning at a certain time of the morning. I think it's good. And the Lord reprimanded me one time because that was the only time I had to pray was get up in the morning, and uh, it's always nice to do it over a cup of coffee too. And so I I would be praying, and uh, for some reason or other, I missed a couple of days. I got busy doing something, and the next time I went back to pray, the first thing the Lord said to me was, where were you? Where were you? which gave me the idea that if I'm meeting him at that particular time, he's there waiting for me. He's waiting for my voice to go up. And so in my, in my prayer, I have to sharpen up a little bit. Lord, <laughs> what do you do when you have to cancel an appointment? Do you call and say, I'm sorry, I can't make it? Do you do that with God? <laughs> I never have done that, but I, I felt like it a few times. <laughs> but notice what else he says here. The third thing he says, I will pray. I'll pray in the morning. You'll hear my voice. I'm going to be crying out. This is the way it's going to happen. Now, he's not, he's not giving you a prayer. He's giving you a strategy for prayer. Yes. This is the way it's going to be in my life. He said, I will. The third thing he says, I will direct the prayer. In the morning, I will direct my prayer unto thee. Uh, In the Hebrew, it would be, I will set in order. That direct means, I will set in order. The Hebrew term there is erak. And it means to place in a row, to put in order, to arrange. and, And there's some important biblical uses of erak in the service of God. First of all, if you go back to the Old Testament where they were laying out the sacrifices and placing the wood under the altar, to place the wood, they didn't just throw a pile of wood. They arranged it. In a specific pattern. It was arranged in that right pattern. You can find this in, in the scripture in uh, Leviticus chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 7. Let me read a little bit from, from that verse of scripture. Uh, talking about the placement of wood and the sacrifice upon the altar in a very precise order. What are we talking about? Ordering our prayers. We sing a song, ordering my steps in the Lord. David said, I need to order my prayers. In Leviticus 1:7, there he goes. And the sons of Aaron and the priests shall put the fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order. Notice that. Lay the wood in order upon the fire. Don't just throw a handful on there. And the priests, Aaron's sons, verse 8, shall lay the parts, the parts of the sacrifice, the head, the fat, In order, notice that word again, in order, where? Upon the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. So there is that orderliness in what God expected them to do. So in my prayers, and and I have been doing this for several years now, thinking about very seriously when I come to the Lord, how am I going to ask Him for this particular thing? What should I be praying? Now, some of you probably know this. My wife is suffering from dementia. About two and a half years ago, she was diagnosed as having Alzheimer's. Her mother had Alzheimer's. Her grandmother had Alzheimer's. And so I'm praying that God release her from Alzheimer's. I've got a dozen books in my library at home, and I've read through them, and I can't find one instance anywhere in any of those books, some of them by medical people, that God's ever healed anybody of Alzheimer's. Well, does that shake my faith? Not enough, you know. Can God heal Alzheimer's? Do you, folks Do you folks believe that? Do you folks believe that? Do you folks believe that? Do you folks believe? Is there anything too hard for God? No, that's the kind of God we serve. Then why didn't he heal my wife? Why didn't he heal my wife? And so I, I was talking about it, I was praying about it, and I was teaching a class back in the spring, And some of the students had asked me about Sister Poe, and I was talking about it. And uh, this little girl, she starts weeping right in class, and she said, uh, Brother Poe, do you mind if we stop right now and just pray for your wife? I said, No, how about it? So we just threw our hands up and started praying for my wife. The time was right. You could feel the spirit. The, The wood was laid in its place, the sacrifice was laid in its proper places, proper proportions. And all of a sudden, the fire fell, and we began to pray. And I said, "Oh, praise God! He's going to heal my wife." And then all of a sudden, shh, everything go quiet. You know what happens when things get quiet in an apostolic church? We think God's going to speak, right? And He did. One of the students gave a message in tongues, and then He interpreted the message. And here was the interpretation: "I am God." And my grace is sufficient for you. Now, every student in the class knew that pertained to me and to my wife. Now, what do I do? I've been praying for months that God would heal her. Now, all of a sudden, he says, and if you go back to the story of Paul and his thorn, you have to kind of reach a conclusion here, Brother read that uh, God maybe just wants me to put up with this thing. I said, Lord, if if your grace is sufficient, I'm going to need an overdose of it. (laughs) Because one of the hardest things you'll ever do, folks, is to watch somebody disappear and still be there. It's not an easy thing to do. But my prayers changed. My prayers changed. And the grace of God has borne up. He's he's helped me. He's given me strength. He's given me courage. He's given me the things that I need to face. Now, that word, that same word again, in Exodus chapter 40, verse 4, and also verse 23, uh, to arrange the showbread, to arrange the showbread that's set on the table. They couldn't just put 12 loaves of bread on that table. You know, somebody dumped their loaves on the table. No, it didn't work that way. God said there's an order to it. There's an order to it. David said, I'm going to use that order in orchestrating my prayers. There it is on the board. And thou shalt bring in the table and set it in order, the things that are to be set in order upon it. And thou shalt bring in the candlestick and light, the lamps thereof. Everything has got an order to it that God looked at in the Old Testament. Set it in rows. We have this... Uh, at POA they have this huge prayer room and they set up a tabernacle plan in it. most of you have heard Brother Mangan teach on praying the tabernacle plan uh, and, and so they have this huge altar and then they have a little laver there with a bunch of clear marbles and it looked like water and you can go into the holy place and there's the candlestick and there's a the table of shewbread, and and before I came across this several years ago I was praying there and that table was always cluttered they had to look like a bunch of crackers on it and it was just scattered around Every time I would go by that, I would pick up those crackers and stack them up. So when I walked out of there, they had two rows of crackers. They were cracker crumbles. Why? Because I wanted to get it in order. I wanted to get it in order. Uh, Am am I reaching you here tonight? We're, We're talking about a strategy for your prayer. How are you going to do this with God listening, with God superintending? How are you going to reach your God? Uh, another way they used that in that time, and this is just in passing, they used it to set the battle in array. So David said, I will arrange my prayer before thee. And it means I will lay it upon the altar in the morning just as carefully as the priest lays the wood, the morning sacrifice and the showbread. So that's the third thing he said. The fourth thing he says is, I will wait patiently for an answer of peace. Now here's another place where Po Man falls way short. When I finish praying and I say amen, I'm through. Unless the Lord doesn't answer and I go back and I say, Lord, you remember I talked about that the other day. But pretty soon it just kind of drifts off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you don't, unless you've got a list of things that you constantly pray about, uh, you, you can't keep reminding yourself of that particular thing. But David said, I'll wait patiently for an answer of peace and we'll look up. And we'll look up and watch after my prayers. How many of us watch after our prayers? Do you take care of your prayers? Do you go back and revisit them? Say, Lord, I've been praying this prayer for yea many years. Or for months on end. No, what we do, if you're like me, you keep adding things to your prayer list. Your prayer list. And Lord bless everybody on my prayer list, or help everybody that's sick. And and I I was in a church recently over the weekend, and they projected on the screen behind me two three rows of names of about fifteen people in each name. I didn't even know these people. I knew one or two names. I knew. So I'm here trying to pray for them. I said, Lord, there's there's Clayton, there's Henry, there's George. I'm just calling names. I have no idea what the situation is, no idea what they do, but they're up there and they need prayer, so I'm just going to pray for them. And before I even got through the list, it was gone. Did the Lord solve all those problems? No, they just got the light off. They still had a need. I didn't get through. Is that any way to pray? I, I'm, I, I don't know the answer to that question, so don't, don't pin me down. But I have found that when I persist in prayer, persistent prayer, the effectual, fervent prayer is something you have to keep coming back to in the same manner, the same fashion, same pattern, so that God understands. He's serious about this. He's serious about this. Well, where do you get that in the Bible? Remember that unjust judge? Remember that lady? He says she's going to aggravate me to death. If I don't do something for her. And so he solved her problem. Or that guy at midnight when he's rapping on the door. I need bread. I need bread. I need bread. No, you don't need bread from me. I'm here. My family's all in bed with me. We're all asleep and you're out there banging on my door. Are you still with me? I'm talking about effectiveness in getting God's attention. For what we really need from the Lord. And watch. He said, I will watch. I will properly and maybe lean forward a little bit. You watch carefully what's happening to behold to a spy. Directed the pre- and this comes from the figure, this, this terminology here is a metaphor, coming from the figure of an archer. It's like he sees the target out there. Ah, there's the target. And he puts the arrow on the bow, and he pulls the arrow back, and he lets go. What does he do? Reach for another arrow? No. He looks to see if he hit the mark. Can we not fine-tune our praying somewhat if we started doing those kind of things? Letting God direct us a little more in the way we do that? So the, the prayer is my arrow. It's going to the target. And in Psalm eighty-five and verse eight, Psalm eighty five, verse eight, he says this, I will hear what the Lord or what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people, to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. And then, of course, you know that scripture in Habakkuk, chapter two, and verse one. He said, I will stand upon my watch, I will set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me. And I shall answer when I am reproved. So what can I do to improve my prayer? The implication is here we need to be specific. We need to be pointed. We need to be focused. We need to be short to the point and full of faith. Now, when the Lord does Matthew chapter 6, he kind of runs through the same sequence. Our Father which art in heaven, he's... Getting the attention of God. Hallowed be thy name. He's honoring God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's aligning himself with, hey, it's not just what I'm wanting, Lord. It's what you're wanting, what your kingdom has to be. And Connecticut, what his kingdom has to be is what's going to bring your answer to your prayer. You want to see an answer to your prayer? You get it in alignment with what God, God wants to do in your church, in your homes, in your family. You say, well, I know what God wants to do. Are you praying that? Are you believing that? Are you laying the wood in order, the sacrifice in order? And then there's something else I think that might be useful, and this will be the last point that I'll make tonight. He said, and I will look up, and this prompts two questions or two ideas that we can think about. Uh, Is there a need for before prayer preparation? We have a pre-service prayer. In some churches, they pray for we usually pray about 30 minutes. 5.30 on Sunday evening, and we have a church at 6. So at 5.30 we go to the prayer room, everybody prays. Uh, don't miss the sweetness or the efficacy of prayer by the lack of careful meditation before it. In other words, when you come to the house of God, or you come to prayer meeting, it might be wise just to sit down and think about what are the priorities that I need to be praying about? What are the priorities of God's kingdom At this time, what is God wanting to do with my assembly? What is God wanting? Oh, we're going to have revival. We're going to have revival. We're going to have revival. God said, it's not time for revival. You've got some wood to get in order. You've got some sacrifices to get in order. And so, well, we we just get a good evangelist. They'll stir up revival. It won't work, folks. I've seen it too many times. I had a birthday Sunday. I was 77. I've seen it a lot of times. Seen it a lot of times in those times, you you can't you can't preach hard enough or bring the right evangelists in that make God do anything. But when you get your heart in tune with Him and what He wants to do, you can't prevent it. It's coming, and you really don't have to have any hot shot evangelists to bring it. You just need to start praising God, magnifying God, lifting Him up. So we need a little anticipation time here. Before we pray, preparation before, and then after we pray, after we pray, let's then start to look up. Lord, I'm watching for this. I've had people tell me, well, Brother Poe, the Lord promised me my, my boy would be saved. He promised me my grandchildren would be saved, and they're living like the devil. They're nowhere close to being saved. And I said, you sure you heard the right voice there? Oh, I know that. I know that's true. Again, I've seen situations where it didn't work out that way. You probably have seen the same thing. So I want to establish some kind of a precursor. Would you stand with me? You're a great, you're a great audience. You're a great audience. It's already late. Late in New England. You're on, you're on Eastern time, too. Yeah. I will establish some kind of a precursor in prayer. I don't ever want to just rush into prayer. I want to know what I'm praying about. I want to think about what is God wanting to do in this situation? How important is it in the kingdom? Where does it rank in this and this and this? And when it gets urgent enough, when it gets my focus enough, and when I go into tr- travail, and you know what the Lord does to help us? If we had time, we could go there. But in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 28, it said, we don't always know what we should be praying for. Right. Right. We don't know what we should be praying for. But who does know? the holy ghost knows the holy ghost knows and what the holy ghost does it aligns our spirit with that spirit and all of a sudden you got a breakthrough you feel things are just different now hey you're you're praying what god wants you to pray there's no reason that he can't sweep the clouds aside or the cobwebs or people out of the way and bring that answer to you now, it might not happen right now but you've won the battle You've won the battle. Now it's time to just lift your hands and start praising the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. So, in closing, will you do these four things? I will pray, he said. I will pray in the morning. I will let my voice be heard. Yeah. I will call out to him as my king. I will order my prayers in the right way. And I will shoot my air as it will. And I will look up. And know with faith that he's going to answer. Will you do that? If you'll do that, lift your hand right now and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for this assembly. And this is the heart of the Connecticut district, Lord. These ministers, God, they have the heart of their churches, the heart of their people, Lord. God, take these few thoughts that we've taken from the Psalmist David's strategy for prayer. Take these few thoughts, Lord. Distill it into their mind and their heart, Lord. Help them to find a better approach, Lord, to prayer. We've got to be more effective in praying to you, Lord. We've got to be more effective in reaching out to you. Time is short, Lord. The world is in trouble. Our society is hurting. Our culture is injured. And, Lord, these people are here tonight because they're looking for a better prayer life. They're looking for a way to be more effective, Lord Jesus, in doing what they need to do, Lord. And if I've said anything to offend anybody, please forgive me, Lord, and help them to forgive me. Help them see the implication of what your word says for us to do. And for this, we'll give you praise. We'll give you glory. We'll give you honor. Praise God. Now, that's my prayer. Let's worship the Lord together. How about giving the Lord a great hand, clap, of praise?